0: All right, weekends, episode eight, we're back. The boys are that's back, we took hope. we took a week off for uh, New Year's, but we are back, locked and loaded, 2024. How are we feeling? Feeling good, man, episode
1: eight, that's young Kobe. Uh, in Kobe year, 24, that's meaningful. Cal Ripken Jr., Ovechkin, DC's very own, so I like the number eight, I'm excited for this one.
0: Hell yeah, eight's lucky, we'll take it all day long. If you've been rocking with us, make sure to subscribe. I hate saying that, you hate hearing it, but make sure to subscribe if you're watching the video. All right, where are we starting?
1: So first thing I want to talk about, actually, is this thing that has been like top of mind for us. We've been saying it for a long time, this idea that that followers don't matter. And um, I think we're both in agreement that more than ever, they don't matter. Meaning it's, it's, I, you know, I would say five years ago, followers did matter somewhat. Because if you followed somebody, you would be sure that that person's content would would. Come up in your feed on like social media platforms. And then the TikTokification of social media happened. And what happened was these modern algorithms went towards a different metric, which uh, heavily weighed discovery more. um, And who you follow was less important um, than sort of like your behavioral interests, let's call it. Um, Maybe a kind of a bad way to describe it. But basically now it's like, man, you could have five followers, you could have 500,000 followers. If you make that same piece of content, it'll probably perform about equally, right? Um, now I don't want to say they don't matter at all because you and I know the more followers you have, most brands are a little bit naive. They're just looking at the follower numbers. These are agencies. Um, they have a budget to spend and they divvy it up based on a following count and follow traditional like CPM, and blah, 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 blah. Um, so it does matter a little bit more, even though marketers are wisening up, but I wanted to get your thoughts on this. I, uh, and then I have my own thesis, uh, my own principle, but I read this tweet. I really liked it. It was by a guy named Pat Flynn. And he said, people are fans of creators on YouTube. But on TikTok, people are fans of TikTok. I like that quote. And he said, basically, as a creator, creators becoming harder and harder to foster a real community and create true friends, super fans, all of these platforms, YouTube included, are heavily pushing short form video content out and reduces our chances to really connect. And then he made this really interesting point. He said, there are massive TikTok influencers with millions and millions of followers. Nobody knows them. Nobody's in line at VidCon to meet them. Um, but in previous years, people stood for hours in a line that wrapped around the entire convention center just to meet their favorite creators. And so my question to you is like, is there a new metric or what is the metric that matters most? Or is it not even quantifiable? Is it just, I mean, and then I, I want to share with you like a, a principle that I've been sort of cooking of maybe how to gauge like true fandom. But I want to get your thoughts on that. Like if followers don't matter, what does?
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, a, that's the million dollar question. Oh, I feel like the one question that we'll we'll get to is do does does TikTok itself the platform not matter or like is the reason there's no deep fandom for people on TikTok because of short form the medium or is it because of TikTok the platform like the way it the way it delivers the algorithm so that that's an interesting thing we can debate but I totally agree that followers the only reason followers matter is the is, like the last defense of followers mattering is the brand marketers that control the budgets caring about followers mattering. As soon as those people either switch their mind or evolve out of the brand, the marketing function, followers don't matter at all. So yeah, I mean, this, this is a really interesting, interesting conversation around what is the metric that really matters most. For me, it's like, when you post an introspective thing, like today, I I posted a more like introspective video, like here's what I've been doing the whole time, like I've been I started, I struggled, whatever. It was more like me as the hero, not like me as a newscaster. The, The rallying of troops to those types of videos, I think is a good barometer for true fandom. So like When i posted that i was like holy shit! this is getting like good metrics but also the comments are crazy like people who really love me who are like true fans are like supporters and you can you can gauge how strong that is based on those types of videos you made you your last two videos were like that and i and you had hella comments and hella shares from people like that and so the thing is it's kind of hard to like put a number to that but there's a feeling i feel there's like a level of magnitude with how deep the fandom is so but, but go into what you think the the metric should be and we'll riff off that because I, I do think like from a creator source, followers don't matter at all. From a brand source, followers still do matter, especially when the brand is lazy at determining if someone has real following. But that is aging out, I would say, in, in like a summarized way.
1: Yeah, I mean it first of all it's, it's just such an interesting thing to think about like and i do think about it a lot on youtube there are creators that are so beloved they go off platform they create their own gated community um or they join another platform whatever it might be and people follow them on tiktok like that that would never happen like oh you your account got deleted or you want to go off platform okay nobody's going to think about it again like there is no it, it's very hard to develop fandom on tiktok i think on instagram it's a little bit better uh i i I was going to say I tweeted out. I threaded out today that I think Instagram is like the most perfect hybrid that we have as far as a relationship and a discovery platform. I think it sits somewhere in the middle. I think it's going to be as prolific as ever. But um, I was cooking this idea, this concept of the boring selfie principle, right? And I was mm. like, okay, you want to tr- you want to test your true fandom as a creator. Let's say, hey, let's say you got a million followers. You've done it by doing uh, 10 giveaways a month, Um you know, by buying shout outs, sponsored posts, you you do it through some sort of shtick. Um, let let's say like Hunter Weiss. Like I don't I don't want to. He, he's had some clients that have popped, but then as soon as they go away from that format, it's crickets. So so say say you get a million followers through whatever, um, and then you go and post like a boring selfie. I think how that performs, and I know this could be a little bit, um, you know, the, the focus is on on the metrics, but how that performs, I think, is a good barometer on the relationship and the connection that you have with your greater audience. So I see guys like Joe Rogan, you know, and he'll like post literally like, it looks like you did it from a 2007 Android. It's like potato <laughs> yeah. quality, like low resolution. And just like him fucking sitting on a couch, yo. And it goes crazy, right? Like almost performs rabid, rabid fandom. Almost performs better than like his, uh, than his content, right? The, yeah. uh, and so I'm looking at that. I've been getting probably my last few posts, have done really well 10, 20, 50, 100K likes, da 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 da. But then I kind of tested this principle on New Year's. I just like posted like some random photos, but the one that I did intentionally at the beginning was like just me selfie kissing my daughter. You can't even really see my face instead of like a more highly stylized photo that I think the algorithm could have picked better up. And that got 2K likes, which is dope. I'm really happy about that. But the discrepancy was telling to me. And so I pulled signal from that, and I'm like, okay that this is like my true fandom, like this is my true barometer of like let's say uh like a real personality or creator online yeah. I don't know if you want to add to that, but i'm I'm like there's something there, and i and I want to try to like build this principle up, but i'm for now, I'm calling it the boring selfie principle as the true barometer uh, for creators uh you know success of a creator, let's say,
0: yeah, I mean, there's a lot in there I feel like the One of the reasons why I like posts, like I like my homies posts to help boost it, but really the reason I like it is so I can save it for later and go look at my liked posts. And I think when you post like personal stuff, like boring selfies, most people don't like it unless they're your true fans because they don't need to save it for later, right? It's like not, it's not adding value to their life other than just like the entertainment in that moment. So that is, I think that is a decent barometer. And those don't get shared as much usually, which is why they don't grow as much, which is why they don't get as many views. But that's why like views and followers is kind of like an empty metric. It's like empty calories, I feel like. So that's an interesting point. The The thread I want to pull on is what you were saying around what Pat Flynn said. That, like, that, is, that hit me pretty deeply around like there are people in line for YouTubers, but no one's in line for TikTokers. Here's the question, though. For us, like let's say we went all in on Instagram, like we do have, I would say you and I both have like legitimate fandom to some level, like no nowhere near like these big YouTubers, but like we have hundreds to like low single digit thousands of like real true fans just from shorts. Like we haven't really done YouTube, not saying those people would line up in a conference for us, but like there is like real fandom there. So is the reason why he's, is the reason why nobody would line up for these TikTokers because short form as a medium like as a vehicle is just not long enough to actually cement real like relationship building in the viewer's mind or is it just that TikTok as the property it happens to be short form but like as a property people when they go there they just lose sense of like identity they don't give a shit who they're consuming it's just the casino cuz i will say like you can build legit fan loyalty on Instagram and i agree i'd say TikTok is like more more fragile like frailer in terms of that that sense of loyalty but I don't yeah I'm curious to hear your thoughts I don't think short form as a medium is the reason why people don't get fandom on tiktok I think it's more like the approach of a user going to tiktok is like I'm ready to be entertained it's the same way of like if you watch a college college football game on tv I'm not watching for the new for the announcers I don't give a shit about the announcers I just want to watch the game it just so happens that they're the ones presenting the information to me it's kind of similar to tiktok but do you think that differs tiktok versus instagram
1: yeah, I mean, I do. I actually do think the format is a big piece of it. I, d- I don't think it's impossible. Obviously, there's creators like Two Turn Tony. I don't know if you've seen him on TikTok. Yeah. He built yeah. like <laughs> real serious fandom primarily off that platform. There's been so many others, D'Amelio's, et cetera. Then they'll branch out. But I do. I often like try to reverse engineer because so many, so much of the shit is like really fun to talk about because there is no like data. There's no research paper that you can like create around this. It's it's all very kind of like gut feeling, anecdotal. Um, so one thing that I like to do is reverse engineer i'm in a ton of friend groups i'm in my sister chat family chat me and carly back and we're always sending each other shorts instagram TikTok, da, 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 da da. how many shorts that you receive let's say out of a thousand are you like damn i gotta follow this person it's just like they they relay the information it's funny i i don't think i like very very few let's say out of a thousand maybe maybe 30 i'll like go to their profile and out of those 30 maybe one or two might convert to a follower so like every thousand TikToks, i might I might gain one extra following on my following tab actually probably even less. It's very, so I just think long versus long form. If somebody sends me a 30 minute video that I sit and watch the whole thing, I've built a relate, like I feel a connection to that creator, even if it's not around their story, even if it's like, um, Johnny Harris, even if he just tells like a really well polished, incredibly edit, edited, um, thought provoking piece. I'm like, I need to follow this guy. Like I want more of that and so I, I do think a little, a little bit is in the uh, a little bit is in the format um, but beyond that it 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 goes and and uh, we'll segue into this later, but beyond that, I think is is the storytelling is that emotional connection you feel with these creators and so uh, we can touch on make your audience the hero later, but what do you
0: think you would, you, know, you know what I think it is is I think a lot of the things that explain behavior can be rationalized if you look back like a thousand years at how people operated so like a thousand years ago when there was no technology or even like further back than that the whole culture of like survival and relationships were built on stories like around the fire like long stories long relationships, there was not like, you know, maybe there was like the town gossip that would like go and have five minute conversations, but like the, the essence of society and human connection, as we've been told has been built on these long pattern, these long storytelling sessions. And I think brains evolve to mimic patterns. And so if that's how we were evolved and that's, that's how we survived, I think most people's brain is conditioned to like that long breathing the pace you know like storytelling 30 to 60 minutes at a time and so what's interesting is like short form is the cocaine of content and so there's a lot of people addicted to cocaine why are they addicted to cocaine there's some like lever or switch in their brain that likes that but i don't think it's long-term sustainable for the human brain like i it's just i'm finding myself even when i go down these tiktok rabbit holes and i'll watch like a hundred videos in a row I don't feel good after and it's not because the content I consumed was like junky it was literally the format and the switch the the pace of switching like it like fried my brain and so and I personally don't like that feeling and I think eventually a lot of people are going to realize that as well they don't like that feeling the reason they feel so shitty is not because part of it's like they're watching people have greater better lives than they think they can have or whatever but the other part is like actually the psychological brain impact of the constant switching it would be like if you you know when you watch a movie that's like super high strung and high pace and high cutting and you're like damn like i'm really anxious well imagine that but you're piping that 12 hours a day that's what short form basically is so one of the reasons that and we can talk about like i'm not ready to go all in on long form i I think it is probably the right move although we've built a lot of like interest and pattern in short form so i don't want to like abandon it but i feel like I think society is going to trend back to long form principally because people can't take the brain anxiety that's coming from so much short form.
1: Yeah. I mean, I'm with you like this year. I thought this year my focus would be on long form. I think the entirety of last year was like, let me, let me crack short form this year. Let me polish my skills, you know, with the intention of eventually moving into long form. I still, I still think and feel that way, but now I have this new line of thought where I'm like, Okay. Let's talk about well, yeah. Let's talk about this because now I'm thinking: should I dedicate another year and go all in on Instagram? Conventional wisdom, which I agree with, and I think almost every successful creator has sort of followed this model: go all in on one platform. It doesn't matter what the platform is; whatever platform is most suited to you, your style, your message, your movement, the audience you're trying to hit. Blah blah blah. There's there's maybe a different one um, that's better suited for each creator. But most creators who have hit it big, they've gone all in on one platform completely dominated there and then began to branch out. So I've never done that. I've always been sort of like, if you go look at my uh, screen time, it's probably like even between like TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, threads, YouTube. Um, And now I'm thinking my thesis is that Instagram is going to be more prolific than ever. I think it's just on its way up. I think real time uh, continues to trend upwards while TikTok, I think must be stagnating. And also from a personal uh, standpoint, my own behavior, I'm on TikTok less and less and less and less now. And the real algorithm is actually better suited to my interests, which is interesting. But so now I'm like, should I do another year where I go all in on short form? Like as, as, you know, with as much energy and focus as possible and then revisit the long form idea later. I don't know if you've had something similar. And the reason why I think this way is like, if I go all in on YouTube, that's going to take some real serious time, energy commitment. There's no guarantee that it'll work. Or maybe if it does work, maybe it takes two or three years. All in all, I'm abandoning where my momentum is. It feels a little bit high risk, high reward, but I want to hear your thoughts there.
0: This, this is a great, this is a great debate. If you're a creator, this is about to be the golden segment right here. I mean, okay. I'm going to try to, I'm trying to like frame my biases. Cause I, I'm by bi- I'm biased, right? So like when you have something working, it means you don't have to put as much effort into figuring out how to keep it working. So you like lean that way, right? So we have short form working. We have Instagram working. Like every Instagram post we post, minimum 100,000 views, but like more so in the hundreds of thousands, easy. And we go viral a lot. So we know what works. So like my initial bias is like lean into that. Don't, be because, I, because I'm running away from effort mostly. Like I, I don't want to have to then pioneer something else and spin a bunch of cycles because like you want it to be easy. That's like how humans are designed. <clears throat> so that's one. But then the second thing is like the youtube fandom right the long form we just like we just said long form builds deeper fandom so the question is will this podcast serve as enough of a long form you know satisfying bit for true fans where if we went all in on short form but had this podcast that would like check the box of oh there is a long form option for people to learn about us and like build trust is that enough My gut says, yes, that's enough. Like, I I don't think, I don't think we would have to post weekly on YouTube in like these five to 10 minute curated cinematic pieces in addition to the podcast, in addition to shorts. I, I just, I don't think we have to do that. So that's like the second bias is like, okay, let's zoom out and look at what we actually have. But the big question mark for me is right now, Instagram is still very immature in terms of monetization potential. And this is the one thing that's holding me back from going all in because I do like you and I both are like visually aesthetic. We, like if you click on the discover page for Instagram, both of ours are probably similar. It's like the dopest like setups and like it looks really sick. And then if you pick the discover page for TikTok, it's trash. So like we are definitely more suited for Instagram in terms of either either of those. But what I'm worried about is that every every unit of effort on Instagram is netting less. Money out or value out in the aggregate because Instagram doesn't have sophisticated monetization For example if Instagram launched a YouTube competitor as a as an additional option Like you could post 30-minute horizontals and they had the YouTube AdSense baked in all of a sudden Instagram becomes really interesting Because then if all the eyes are on Instagram, but the monetization is also mature like AdSense The the ad ecosystem for brands will evolve more and that's where you want to be so the only thing holding me back of like going full in short form another year delayed on on youtube is that we're making no money from instagram like none and the brand deals is the only way right now and you and i don't love doing those because we're trying to maintain max trust and keep nurturing the audience whereas youtube it feels like the brand deals are less uh predatory because if the video is 10 minutes and you just do a one minute brand deal it's not the whole video you you know it's people understand you're kind of like you're paying for the video with with that one minute so i mean that's that's like a little frame of of both sides of it i feel my gut tells me going all in on Instagram makes sense though like that that feels like the right play well, you
1: nailed it the most important thing there is long form is this is why YouTube you know we've said before is like the n b a right it is by far the most lucrative platform uh for a creator to be if you have I think I kind of, I don't know like how you feel about it, but I've always said that 100,000 active and engaged YouTube subscribers is probably worth at least a million active and engaged Instagram followers, which is worth probably 5 million active and engaged TikTok yeah, followers, sure. if not more. And so the reason why is what you just said. It's like every video that you post, every piece of content that you post on YouTube, you can monetize and it's expected and there's no, uh, there's no negative brand equity hit um, it uh, minimizes trust lost because, as I said, if I'm watching a creator, I expect them to have this is sponsored by Squarespace. Let me show you da, 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 10% code off, blah, blah, blah. Um, People are and triple dipping. Normal.
0: They're triple dipping on YouTube. Tri- you're getting yeah. AdSense. You're getting the placement and you're getting the affiliate yeah. and it's expected.
1: Yeah, which is why I'm excited. Like Podcast, I think, is a great format as well because we could do two or three ad reads over the course of two and a half hours. And again, it's expected. There's no podcast out there in the world that does not do that. Um, you know, same as a great TV show back in the day, there was going to be commercials. It's unavoidable. There's no, you know, that was, that was just part of the game. And so you're right. I mean, and, and also the added benefit of that extra connection and, and personal relationship that's developed and, you know, affinity that's brought in by the audience, da 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 And so my thing is, we'll have to figure this out too, individually and, and together. It's like, how do we plan on monetizing over the, over the next year? Is brand deals going to be the most lucrative outlet? Is it going to be product? And we just need the more most possible eyeballs on that product uh, to convert into paying customers with a specific LTV data data. Da. So that's kind of what I'm trying to figure out. And I don't have that data yet. Okay. Is when Pulse comes out, is that like, okay, now it's just a quantity game. I need as many eyeballs as possible. I need to develop max trust with another bubble. Blah, blah, blah. I don't know what that is. Right. I don't and, and so this is part of the reason I love this podcast. Is like it's so real time. It's like we're in the depth of this journey, uh, and and often I find myself like not having the answer and just going off a gut instinct. But that's another important piece of the puzzle. Is like how do you plan on monetizing? And then I think you can choose the the right outlet.
0: Let me let me overlay some some thoughts as you said that popped in my head. So one is, I do feel so. One strategy that might be the right strategy is we just say like, fuck brand deals completely. We just completely turn off that spigot in our mind. Cause And and I feel like you've taken almost none. I've only taken a couple, but but the way my mind is working... Man, I would love to. Because the, the way my... I,
1: I have two and I'm dreading
0: them. Yeah, the, I, I dread doing them, but also like the way my mind is working is... The, like the third derivative effect of that is I'm like, okay, I have to only post videos that are like kind of complimentary to what a brand deal could eventually be because... I need examples and I need to like show if the brands are watching, show what I make. And so it's just like, it's influencing everything versus if I don't do brand deals at all. Like if, if, if we say, okay, the strategy is products, whether it's a course, physical product SaaS, it's like the strategy is products. We're not doing brand deals. Well, that like really frees my ability to make whatever I want. That's going to get the people I want to buy those products in. And I don't have to chase like. How would a brand think about this? And if I'm covering this topic, how would a brand want that? If I want to sell it to them eventually, like that actually, that does free up a lot, um, a lot of like creative creative space. That's one point. The bigger point though is, I think the real winners in on the internet, and really in general, and this is like cliche, but they go to, they skate to where the puck is going, not to where it's been. Right, and so if Instagram did two things in the future they would immediately become the number one destination. Those two things are allow you to post longer than minute and a half, like create some sort of longer canvas, which then you could monetize easy, easier with like in real
1: already, but it doesn't take advantage of the reels discovery engine. Yeah. So I guess like
0: you, you can, I think
1: post up to like an hour, but it, but uh, it gets, I have to look into it. it. I think it does get throttled. I don't think it, it yeah, it's not part of like the reels algorithm.
0: So basically if they, bucket one is like if they redesigned the content posting and algorithm experience where they actually promoted longer form stuff just as much as reels in a different way, but allowed for like kind of like AdSense style monetization where you didn't have to take an entire unit of content and go fully on a brand, like you could inject monetization. If they did that... And or figured out the shopping which we talked about before where like they really integrated shopping live into the video content where it was like super seamless. I think they'll I think they probably will do both if it makes sense strategically and when they do both of those Instagram becomes the best not maybe not the best of YouTube but it becomes good enough complimentary for long-form content the best short-form content and the best commerce platform in the world Instagram would then become the destination so the in my mind, the skating to the puck is going is like, if you believe that meta is all in on Instagram, which maybe they're not because they have a huge ecosystem, but if you believe that and you believe that they they will figure out how to add in these commerce and these like other content functionality, the best play would actually be to go all in on Instagram during this build-up phase when no one's looking. And then when they deploy those features in the next two to three years, you're you're huge on Instagram. You've already honed the algorithm to know that you're one of the instagram native creators and then you just explode now that's a little bit of a risk though because if instagram as is today right now i still think youtube's a better play and although the view counts are higher and like there's more eyeballs on short form it just feels like a little bit harder to build a lasting brand uh maybe not a lasting brand but yeah so that that's, that's one point i wanted to make is like where is the puck going right where, what is youtube going to go to and what is instagram going to go to Instagram feels like it's going closer to what we want, which is like to build our own products and brands and then be able to sell them to the people that follow us, right?
1: Yeah, I mean, first of all, two things here. If you're watching the video, I'm not drinking pee. This <laughs> is, uh, I'm, I'm sick, so this is an emergency. And I apologize if I'm like a little slow or lackluster today. I'm also just been super under the weather. But um, I think it would take I don't know what it would look like. It wouldn't it would take like the most genius product mind because I think for Instagram to even approach, and same for TikTok. I think TikTok's gonna like kind of actually fail in their pursuit of YouTube. For Instagram to even approach a successful long form strategy, like, okay, say we can post five minute reels. I, I'm not gonna sit there and watch a five minute reel. Like it's just the behavior isn't there. And the reason people don't realize like the reason why YouTube is such a juggernaut is because, first of all, now more than 50% of YouTube viewership is on the TV. So somebody in the living room watching on a TV, or maybe you're working on your laptop while YouTube is on the TV. Or it's in another browser tab, right? Yeah. Or it's like on your phone as you're in your computer, whatever it may be. you are like, not going to do that on Instagram. YouTube is honed and conditioned the audience to sit and watch. Or sit and listen. Um, Instagram, I just I don't I just can't see that happening. I'm not gonna have like a five-minute video on the side here as I'm like working and looking over. It just it feels very strange. So what Instagram would need to do is create some sort of web experience probably to start where it's it's completely redesigned it's brilliantly reimagined that encourages this kind of consumption and then they're going to need to figure out a TV product the other reason why youtube is so dominant i think in the space is because they're owned by google so they have the complementary search engine that leads to a youtube result and th- like there's just so much going on in that ecosystem that is very unique to that product that others can't crack. So like TikTok, I think is going to fail spectacularly in their YouTube pursuit. Eventually, uh, you know, the YouTube uh, TikTok creativity program will pay less and less and less as they realize it's not very, uh, you know, just people aren't consuming in this way. I might be wrong. Um, But that's why I think I would love for Instagram to trend in that direction. I just think it's like profoundly difficult and I don't see a way in which they crack it. And if they do, I'm going to applaud the hell out of them, though, because that that is a trillion-dollar question, how to to take on YouTube.
0: The reason I want that is because there's a lot of times where I'll make a video and I have to cut the story short or tell it in an inferior way to fit the 90-second canvas, and it frustrates me. And I don't want to make a 10-minute horizontal video. I like making the short form where I can control the graphics a little bit easier. It's a little bit tighter. I like that. But it's just too limiting because I think what builds trust is context when you're storytelling in a in a 90 second format you can't you can't add enough context to really infuse your personality which is why short form doesn't build the trust but if if there was an easier way and then like short form editing is kind of tough but if there was an easier way to edit a short form that was 2 or 3 minutes long and i could really infuse like humor and like explain my point i feel like you'd be able to build a lot more depth so that 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 point is coming more out of like my my desire not not to have like a youtube replacement but just to have like longer content canvases because that's how you build trust and that's how you would convert i think more through short form so yeah i mean it's interesting i was i was thinking as we were talking like you know what's funny is like not to stroke our own ego but Instagram should just hire the two of us as like a little pod that like a little innovation pod that like once in a while we just come into their product team and we're like, yo, here's what we're seeing from the ground. Like, like we're two of the most active people on the platform from like a video first creator perspective, because I think a lot of our ideas sound obvious to us, but like would be pretty novel to people who aren't making content every single day. And if you think about like what do we like? We like high quality. We like good brands. We like visual aesthetics. Instagram is the platform for those people. Like it just is. It's always been, it always will be. So like, I really want to see Instagram succeed, but it just feels like they're, sometimes they don't approach building the features in a way that would suit, you know, people like us.
1: Absolutely, man. I mean, Instagram's also, it's, in, it, you know, just like every other platform, but they serve such a wide spectrum of users. So, I'm hanging out over the holidays with, uh, with my uh, cousin. She's 18 in high school, and like, just out of curiosity, I'm like, show me your Instagram experience. It's way different. It's not like the experience that we may have. It's like literally still just friends sharing like their weekend photos and stuff. And I'm like, wow, like this. I'm so far removed from this. This feels like yeah. Facebook 10 years ago, where I'm like seeing the you know everybody's nights and like that's still kind of popping off on Instagram. And I'm like, that's interesting. And then I'll go to my wife's Instagram, again, way different, like just yeah. a profoundly different experience than, than what I'm met with on Instagram. And so I'm like, this is super interesting. It's like, that's a difficult challenge to navigate when making uh, you know, decisions on the platform is, is keeping that in mind, like how many different uh, you know, subcultures and different interest groups, et cetera, demographics that you're serving. But when it comes to like the more so like professional creator storytelling, like content creator world, I think we're really plugged in. I yeah. would love to be that, and um, that's another reason I want to become a power user on Threads. A because strategically, I just think Threads is going to continue to pop, especially come U.S. twenty twenty four election, where unfortunately I hate it, but it's going to become like politically segregated, and and Threads is going to be a stronghold on one side, vice versa, which sucks. But um, like Gary V says, I'm platform agnostic. Where's the attention? That's where I'm at. Um, and so I think, and and not just that, by the way, I just think, you know, Meta's got another up $400 billion or something in market cap. They're going to be spending heavy, heavy, heavy on threads. It's coming. Yeah. But I also love, I'm like connected with a lot of people on the Meta team, Instagram team. And I love just like giving feedback, whether they listen to it or care or even pick up on it or not. Uh, It's kind of irrelevant, but I just, I like to be that kind of like beacon of feedback for their team. Just what I'm seeing, what I'm thinking, et cetera. So you can do that. From an official standpoint, let's go.
0: That'd be, that'd be sick. Before we go to the next topic, so you, you talked about the Instagram ecosystem. So basically when I think of that, it's you got the reels, you have feed posts, you have stories, you've got the broadcast channels, which for people who don't know, it's kind of like a one-way messaging channel where like Roberto could send out stuff and then people could react, but like can't message him back. And then you got DMs, you've got threads. I mean, they're like, a, it's a super comprehensive ecosystem and a lot of touch points. That's a positive. The the negative potentially is that's a lot of different content creation, content experience you have to optimize for. And so, because the way I think of, you know, like you said, if, what if I go Instagram agnostic? I mean, Instagram specific. For me, like I kind of, make videos to be visual and then I just cross post on TikTok. Like, I don't really think too much about it. I know you make certain videos that you only post on one or the other, but like I I just view TikTok and honestly, YouTube shorts and Snapchat is just like, might as well dump it here. But like, I'm really trying to grow it on Instagram. So I am, I guess you could say Instagram specific on the short form video, but to be Instagram ecosystem specific, that is like a lot of different types of content to create. So how are you thinking about that? Is, the, is there a strategy or are you just like, I want to grow on Instagram and be everywhere on Instagram. So like, I'm going to, I'm going to optimize my time and my day to like, be really good at making all those different types of content.
1: Yeah. I think for every creator is different. You know, I see a lot of big, big creators out there that I love who are not on threads and don't have a broadcast channel. I think for them, it's like, I just want to focus on my feed and delivering good content every day. Um, But I just love the option. Uh, Even Adam Maseri, Instagram CEO came out and was like, we are shipping a lot. Remember, you don't have to use it all. This is kind of just optional, depending on your sort of nuances and who you are as a as a creator. But I love, as an example, now with the Instagram ecosystem, I don't think I can do this on any other platform, where I can post a video and then and then post like my thoughts behind the video on uh, Threads, and then maybe some behind the scenes footage on. Um, on stories and then maybe give a unique look or custom look to the people only on my broadcast channel there's so many ways to share and there's so many like different audiences to serve um threads by the way is also awesome because i'm connecting with so many people I wouldn't have otherwise on my instagram that's not really kind of part of my same algorithm if you will um so that's what I love about Instagram. It's like the perfect hybrid, as I said, of a discovery platform. We're putting out reels every day that reaching new people that have never heard of us every day and a relationship platform for the people that have come in and are now your followers. You can continue to cultivate those relationships using different um, communication formats and mediums. So I love that about Instagram. I don't think for every creator, you need to use everything that they have going on. Again, like anything else, if you fracture your focus, it could be a detriment, but um, just having the ability and the option there in platform is great. Cause the last thing I'll say is increasingly, I think on the internet is become it's becoming different to get people off platform. So if you want to get people from Twitter to threads, threads to YouTube, YouTube, to Instagram, Instagram, TikTok, so it's becoming harder and harder and harder. Nobody wants to leave the platform to the point where if I click a link and it's like embedded within like a the instagram proprietary safari thing i'm like i'm
0: like yeah I don't, I don't
1: care how much i want to watch and i'm not going yeah um and so having all those options within platform i think it's i think is really useful
0: you know what i feel and this is a good transition to to another topic but like the people that i feel like are doing repurposing really well like ali Abdal will say I, I would love to know just like what his team and workflow structure is to like get the base content to whoever it is to then repurpose it everywhere because because that's the thing is like, if you're going to be on threads, Twitter is kind of like threads. So you can really cross post on threads and Twitter. If you're going to be on reels, TikTok and Snapchat and shorts is kind of like that. So you might as well cross post. Once you go down that, it's like, I just spent two hours posting, trying to get it everywhere. And so like people like Ali Abdal, he has a team and a workflow that's doing that cross post repurposing for him. Like he's making the core video and then they do it all. So I would love to... We got to get some people on here who are like the COOs or like number twos of these content operations and talk to them. And this is a good transition to the Matt Devella video, which you you sent me and we both watched because he's talking about like his team. You want to like set that up, why, why it was intriguing to you and we can talk about it.
1: Yeah. So, you know, Matt Devella is somebody that I've looked up to for a long time, incredible content creator, storyteller, like I think he really hit his mark and, and started popping off many years back um, when min- minimalism was like this big topic. And I think he was like one of the top voices uh, there. I don't want to misrepresent him. I think there was a video in which like him and his girlfriend, maybe now wife or fiance sold like everything and then just moved into, I don't, again, maybe we'll cut this part out because I might be completely butchering it. But Matt Devella posted a video, you know, he's done the entire mega successful creator arc where he started popping off hundreds of thousands of views, then millions of views, then hundreds of thousands of subs, now all of a sudden millions of subs, and he's like this YouTube megastar. So he did what every other creator thinks that you need to do. You start hiring a team, you, uh, thumbnail editors, he, he put out a course, he did like probably inside salespeople, operations, staff, da, da da and all of a sudden he found himself, he said, looking at a Zoom call one day with like 12 people looking back at him, and he's like, damn, I'm like a full-fledged CEO out here, operator. And he realized that he loved all those people it it was working well but he was spending so much of his time in meetings delegating managing organizing he's like i kind of liked it better when it was just me and a camera and i was just like doing whatever i wanted at my own pace so he went back to that and i was like whoa that's kinda, it's kind of funny cuz it's like we're in a position where we think in the next year it's like okay it's going to it's going to be time to start adding people and staff to this operation that we got going on um and so seeing from his perspective, somebody that has gone through it and realized this isn't for me, this is just what I thought I had to do. Uh, you know that has been modeled by successful creators before me, I thought it was really interesting. So first I wanted to, I wanted to hear if you have any thoughts on that. And then I wanted to talk about Ali Abdal's appearance on that episode and how he has it, which which I think we both said before this episode is like he's got it dialed, he's got it locked. Uh, that's something to model after. For yeah, sure.
0: I, th- I I really liked watching that video, and I liked the way he put it together, where he kind of like interviewed different people in the midst of it, and then gave his own takes. He he, you can tell he's he is very good at storytelling around a particular topic. For him, though, the thing that stuck out to me is he said he really he really missed the editing. He when he was making the video, he's like, I really like the editing. Most people don't like it, but like for me, it was the only thing in my life that I could do where I truly got lost and like found that flow state. And so he's like he didn't want to be the CEO role and lost the thing he loved. So he was like, the only way to get the editing back is to slow down because I, I think he could have, he could have still retained some people, but he realized he needed to get the editing on his own plate. He had to slow down to slow down means he makes less money. He can't cover the payroll of the rest of the team. So he had to pretty much roll off. Even if he didn't wanted to only f- roll off the editor, he had to roll off the, his entire team to get the burn down, which makes sense. My thing though, and this is what we were talking about is like, I think the mo- one of the most valuable things you can do once you start to see some success is really be introspective about what you like to do in the process, what you will tolerate but don't really love, and then what you absolutely hate in the process. And if the only goal is to keep going and not quit, you have to hire out the stuff you hate. Otherwise, you will resent the entire thing. That's what I'm starting to realize. And so for me, like... In the the video, let's just say in the video creation process or in the whole suite of stuff. I love thinking about strategy. I love thinking about product. I love working with like really dope designers and product people, giving my thoughts on where I think a product should go and then having them, not just them do the work, but like them use the magic of their skills to like bring it to life. I love that. When it comes to video, I love going down the rabbit holes and finding interesting stories. I love thinking about how to present them. I hate the editing. I honestly don't really like the recording. I hate the editing, I hate the posting. I hate all the ops around it. I don't like the brand. I don't like any of that stuff. And so when I think about that, it's like, okay, some of those are hate, you know stuff I hate. Some of those are stuff I'll tolerate. To this point, I've tolerated everything because I'm alone, and same with you. like we've pretty much tolerated all the stuff we didn't want to do. I think the, the lack, the loss in creative freedom you'll get for having to spend some of your time managing some people is worth. Getting the stuff you hate off your plate because if you don't, it'll make you quit. I think so. I'm curious how you think of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think for sure. You know, when it when it comes to editing, it's funny because I I totally understand Matt Vella and other guys. Like, look, when I'm editing something that I'm like very passionate about, where it's like you know some more more recent like storytelling pieces. If I'm gonna do some cinematic bit, whatever, I want to I want to own that process because I'm the same. I remember having a moment a few weeks back where it was like 2 a.m. and I'm sitting there spending an extra two hours on sound design and, and I'm, and I had like this really sort of like intimate thought to myself. I remember clearly and I was like, I love this. Like <laughs> I am so fulfilled right now. Like literally straight up. I was like this, this, um, this is just, this is everything to me. Like I love this. Um, now when I'm editing like the videos of like an AI tool, which I don't know if I'll, I'll do more or whatever. That's not fun to me that I wish I could just offload. Cause I don't care. They were just nonsense. It doesn't really matter. um, so what matt is doing is he's like you know his output i think is once a month and he's like these are art pieces you know sometimes it's like it's informational it's like hey here's how to declutter your life but he does them in a way that it's pure art and so i can understand his artist side of him like wanting full control over that um when it comes to a team yeah i mean you know definitely i want to delegate all the things that i don't want to do as an example it, when it comes to hiring a team, one of my one of my main thoughts is like, okay, whatever platform I decide to go all in on, maybe it is YouTube, maybe it's long form, whatever. I want people who know how to repurpose those pieces of content across LinkedIn, which I hate. I never want to open LinkedIn again in my life, <laughs> yeah. but I understand that there's an opportunity there. Facebook couldn't care less about you know. It's again like I dread it, but I know there's massive attention there and it's an opportunity. Snapchat, da 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 So I want a team to be able to like repurpose all of that. I think Ali Abdul probably. I don't want to make any speculation here but i think what he does which is probably where i'd love to get to is just record the a-roll record the a-roll and send it off and somebody else is adding animations to it somebody else is like cutting it up making sure the pacing is right uh you know adding sound audio music etc somebody else is uploading it doing all the research on tags um you know best practices title thumbnail everything that kind of thing And so and Ali Abdal, I'm assuming, also has somebody who's helping them with the ideation and scripting now. So it could be to where it's like Drake, where he's just like, yo, here are the lyrics. Here's how to no a hey, no shade on Drake, but like here are the lyrics, <laughs> yeah. here's how to write them. This is a reference track. This is how to how to recite it. Here's the beat. And that's how his output is so crazy. It's because it's like Yeah, he's again, got a, team a lot of people. you know, he's got a team kind of like doing everything. And now he's just plugging in, recording the vocals and bouncing. or maybe coming back for like a video, whatever it might be. Um, I think that's something that as a creator you can model after. And I feel like Ali Abdal might be there where okay. it's like, somebody's like, here's the idea. Here's a script. Yeah. Um, but I don't want to discredit him either. Cause maybe he is doing the entire script writing and all the ideation. I'm not sure, but it sounds like he's got it locked in
0: and dialed like that. I'm like, damn, he does. He does have it dialed. And he, and to be fair, the way he was able to afford that team is he put out a really high ticket cohort course that he ran for many years. Or I don't know if it was many but several years he and he racked up a few million bucks So his if his team is 10 or 12 people his operating costs are probably 50k a month maybe and so like that's significant like he he needs some revenue coming in to offset that and so he was able to set that up I, I think one of the things I've been trying to figure out is like Here's where I'm at today. What does a dream day look like and then and I, and I know what that is, and I can say that too right, right now so people can can hear what a dream day for me looks like. The confusing part is how do I, what step do I take, what's the first step from today to actually get to the dream day in terms of the workload. The workload. So for me, like a dream day would be at the beginning of the day, I check in with some team that's, or some, some either one person or a team that's like a sick designer, industrial engineer, someone who's like the maker of something, of some product that I co-own with them. And they, they say like, yo, here's the update. Here's what I'm thinking. Here's the, you know, check out the prototype, whatever it is. And it's like a live brainstorm with me and them to be like, here's where I think we should go. Here's where it's still not working. Right. It's like, it's like the product strategy, product vision. There's some, there's maybe, maybe I spend like an hour on that, with just one product. And after that, The only other things I want to do is either podcasts like this where it's just us just chopping it up about what we're seeing Or it's me going down a rabbit hole and finding something interesting And if the output of that finding something interesting is recording an a-roll and sending it off fine If it's me writing fine, but like The rest of the time is just me thinking and looking for and looking for stuff. That's it That's all I want to do and I want enough revenue coming in from the products we own And potentially even if the content is making money in some way to cover me, and that's it, and that's all I want. And if I did that every single day, I'd be the happiest dude ever. Because every year, a couple of years, we could start launch a new product, and I would have that same cycle over and over of like, what's the customer need that's not met? We're gonna make the best product, the highest quality product in the world. We're gonna, but I don't want to be actively doing the actual heavy lifting. So if that's what a dream day looks like for me, and today I'm just making content, I'm doing all of it myself, and I'm I'm editing all myself, and like no money's coming in. There's a long way to go to get to that dream day. And so what I'm what I'm struggling to figure out is like, what is the right first step? Is the right first step trying to automate the content? Is the right first step keeping costs as low as possible and trying to increase revenue? Is the right first step just slowing down the content and starting to build a product? Like find a partner and like start to build that physical product, right? Like I don't I don't know what the right first step is to get to that dream day, but at least I have a little clarity on what that dream day is. I'm curious if you think of it, you know, if you think of it kind of similarly or... Or, or differently.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I definitely agree. I think, um, like, realistically, like, obviously, the uh, dream day, I just wake up and do whatever I want and yeah. work on whatever you know fills me. But there's like, okay, there's some reality to it. I think when it comes to content, I'm really in line with you. Where I would love the same style of content that I've been making, um, you know, where it's like kind of, kind of like we we sort of leading, maybe not leading, but like kind of defining our own category. I would love to to stay in there where it's like covering, like storytelling about, about tech and business and culture and like um, the intersection of all that. And I would love to kind of delegate that to the point where I'm just looking for the idea. I'm still writing the story. I'm recording the A-roll. I send it off and then like the process is handled by somebody else. But I, I definitely do want to do one every two months, let's say, like one of these like super cinematic originals. Um, that is, again, just something... It's funny because like I I love doing it. A I've had the best feedback. B the the and then like scientifically or let's say like mathematically, the follower to view ratios are highest on those by far. Um, well, maybe not. When I first started doing AI, just because I was like super on top and one of the first in that trend, that f- view to follower ratio was converting so so high because people wanted to learn more about it, and I would always hit that call to action. If you want to you know stay updated on the fast moving world of AI, hit that follow. We'll catch you blah blah blah. Um, that worked really well. But since then, let's say like the last nine months, the two pieces that I've seen the the, the best uh, view to follower conversion have been those like cinematic pieces. And that gave me a lot of signal, which I enjoyed because it's like, hey, the stuff that you like doing, you're getting the best results. You're getting the, the best results from. The only problem is that they're and maybe not. I think if, if there's like a creative way around this. But the only problem is they're much less monetizable than if I'm like doing daily news. Because if I'm in the feed every day, um, you know, one brand deal a week is not going to kill me. Um, where if I'm in your feed once a month, one brand is going to be like, all right, what are you doing here, right? Um, but now I'm thinking, it's like, wait a second. I can, this is a great proof of concept. It's like, I can go to a brand now, uh, ASRV, and, and like, yo, let me tell a story. Uh, you know, I think it'll get a million plus views you want to, you want to sponsor it. It's, this is not like a story about ASRV. You're just inserted into it. I, there, there's like creative ways around it where actually maybe it could be pretty, uh, pretty monetizable. But uh, ultimately I think on, on Instagram, it won't be if it was YouTube. Yes. But um, yeah, I'm getting a little bit derailed here, but I, I definitely agree with you. Like what you just laid out is also my dream scenario. I think.
0: Yeah. This is where I think this is where I think we, we should, we need to go. Like if, if I gun to my head, like, yo, you have six months to figure this out or like something bad happens. This is where I think we need to go is me and you both completely forget about brand deals. We basically work. We've put our heads together to figure out a product, whether that's a course and you, you have products cooking, but like we figure out a product, whether it's a course or something, we only make the content that we feel like will get shared the most by the people we want to come into the ecosystem. And that's it. You don't focus on brand deals at all. You don't don't skew the content towards brands at all. And then we basically spend every other second of time either making the podcast or making the product better and getting the product to market. And I have a feeling that if that product is a fit for customers, we'll make more money from the product than the combination of all total brand deals. And the product is not transactional. The way a brand deals, like once you do it, it's done. You got to go get another one. The product can scale, You whatever. So certain products scale better than others. Like a course would be a dream for us because everything we make, the better we get, the more the course sells. But there's other products we can make too. And I hadn't really been that absolute in the thinking. I was kind of like, oh, I could do brand deals. I could do a service. I could do, like, I was kind of like all over the place. Let's try to dabble. I actually think a better strategy is like, fuck that, turn everything off except the product, figure out the product that the people we want to buy would buy that, that we have authority to make. And everything else is just like, basically what you're doing with the cinematic reels and I have to figure out what that is for me, but like make the content that we want to make that would attract the people we want to attract and just spin that wheel. And, and I think if, if we do that, that sets us up in the best position to not sacrifice trust, to maintain quality, but also to, to make enough money to keep going. Because the thing that a lot of these people look over is like, yeah, Matt Vella is on his own now and doing one, one post a month. Yeah. Ali Abdaal has a team of 12, but like those people grinded for years and ha- made a ton of money to be able to fund it. We don't have that right now, or at least I I don't. And I, I know I know you, you're making a little bit from the the tome and stuff, but like I would, you'd probably say you don't have that income source the way you want it either. And so to me it's like, and there's a little there's like part therapy, part just like working this out on the fly. But like I do think I was thinking a lot about this idea of open loops. You have a lot of open loops right now. I have a lot of open loops where it's like things that we could be doing that's like even if we're not working on it it's taking our mental space and the more open loops you have the shittier you are at everything so i'm just like yo let me close down all these loops like there's just no reason to have a loop of like like you know am i could i work with that brand eventually like what does a clothing brand look like for me design like close it close it close it these are like little tabs in the browser like we got to close them so that we can just only focus on the one tab that actually makes sense for the strategy so I'm not saying the strategy I just laid out is the perfect one, like we probably should refine that, but this idea of opening, closing loops, I've been thinking about a lot because my mind is so frag, it's so fractured right now. Like there's just too many things.
1: Yeah. I mean, at the, you know, at the highest level, you know, ultimately, obviously you don't want to have to do any brand deals if you don't want to. I don't think Nelk boys are doing any brand deals, right? It's, it's all because now they have their own They products. are the brand it's deal. Like, and that's the brand. They are the brand deal. They're super, that's the most lucrative. Um, but at the same time, there's brand deals that, like Casey Neistat did one for Mortal Kombat, which I was like, that was just kind of dope because it was, it it fits so well. I I don't know. It just, it just worked. Um, but I do, I I don't want to say no brand deals, but I do only want to do the highest quality brand deals. I hate, um, I I don't, I don't think I'm going to do like any like small AI startups or something like that anymore because it's just, it's, it's not worth the nuisance. Um, I also hate like, as an example, I was doing this one brand deal that I got coming up, and I'm like back and forth on the script. And they're, can you add this sentence? Can you add this sentence? And by the end, it just becomes like a boring corporate yeah. read piece. So I'm not thrilled about having to post that. I, I was literally thinking about going back to them and like returning the money. I just I don't. Um, and and by the way, you're right. I don't have like that income that I wanted. I I want it to be probably at least like 50k to fund like the real operation that I'm after. Um, I've bit into my you know, like savings mega over these last three or four years. I've lost a lot of money investing in the things that didn't pan out. Um, But I'm still very, very patient. Like I'm still not willing to sacrifice anything in the short term. You know, it's not like things are dire or anything. So I can still, you know, I can still keep that long-term focus. I'm still playing this long-term game. I even told myself when I started this content career, I don't care about making money for three years. Like I'm going to be the the best I can possibly be, be first. And so, yeah, man, that's the great thing about weekends. It's like live brainstorming, like a live journey unfolding. Um, but I still want to do brand deals only if they're super, super dope. If Apple wants me to cover the Vision Pro, let's go. Yeah, well, one, um, one but thing- But if little startup A wants me to cover their ChatGPT wrapper, oh man, I, I, I can't. I don't, you know, Yeah, not compelling enough.
0: One way to frame brand deals too that I was thinking is like, yeah, I feel like the way you're saying it is right. Me talking in absolutes to shut it all down probably makes no sense. But the, the, <laughs> the one way to frame it is like, you get a lot of reach-outs from these smaller companies that are like, we're doing a campaign, you'd be a good fit. So it's like, oh, that's yeah. one bucket. The other bucket is like, we want a Callaway video. Like, we want a Roberto video. To me, that's like a perfect distinction. It's like, I only want to work with companies that want a one-of-one Callaway video. You're buying an art piece. If you go to a gallery and there's a dope artist with paint all over their jeans and you love all of the paint, all of the artworks they have, and you walk in, you're like, I want you, I want to commission, you a, a, commission a piece from you. You don't tell them shit. They just make the piece, and you're like, "I love that guy. I love that girl. I want their piece." That's what I like. There are brand deals out there like that. I think Casey Neistat did a lot of them. Like that one with Nike, when he went all over the country, all over the world, and like filmed that him jumping over the camera. He, they wanted a Casey Neistat video. They didn't want a right. campaign.
1: And they probably gave him all creative control, and it was probably ordained and required by Casey. Exactly.
0: So that that's like I guess a good frame for it. Um, where where do you want to go next on the on the docket?
1: First of all, I like how you wrap that. I mean, it's, uh, I'm gonna agree, dude, like brand is everything, ultimately. Brand is everything. And unbeknownst to creators, like there is a thing, if you're a creator and you're just doing brand deal left and right, you are cheapening your brand. I think that's sort of unavoidable. Um, Because again, like scarcity, you gotta keep that mindset of like scarcity is a high resource. It's like, if you're a brand, I know for a fact that if I'm doing a little startup and I barely have a budget, I will never get Casey Neistat. And there's a prestige to that. I know for a fact that I'm not going to get Gary Vaynerchuk. There's a prestige to that. Um, they built their brand to the point where, hey, by the way, maybe if I did a Mortal Kombat ad and I did something really creative and cinematic, could I have gotten the same views as Casey? Yeah, maybe. 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 But guess what? My my million views would never be as val- as valuable as Casey's million views because there is that prestige behind it. And so that's all, dude, like, Brand, that's, you know... That's why I just want to give it my all, like, you know, uh, blood, sweat, and tears, my heart and soul. Maybe I'm not going to make a lot of money over this next year, but may- I'm setting myself up to one day. Like, I'm commanding these top deals because there's a brand behind it. So,
0: but the way yeah, you, man, I always go way, back to that. The way you that. build that prestige is by making the shit you want to make for a long time, right? Like, that's how... What what gave Casey that, like, stamp is that he, he built the ink himself. And then he's stamping all these brands, but, like, it takes years honestly to build that prestige that's what's frustrating to most people is like we're we're one year in and we're like ah oh, fuck like what strategy should we take it's like yeah but we haven't we haven't we haven't made the ink yet like we, we our stamp doesn't hold as much weight as like an mkbhd or like a casey nice stand.
1: yeah and that's why sometimes on on this part i'm, I'm always uh echoing that where it's like a hey, patience is the game one year in it's like almost like laughable uh you know trying to get so ahead of ourselves and and be in such a rush yeah because where we are at one year in probably puts us in like the 0.01 percentile you know so it's yeah. it's uh we gotta we gotta be proud of that um where do you want to go next
0: Wait, let me look at the doc um there,
1: there's a sean peary and shout out sean peary we love uh sean and, and my first million um there was a tweet that he made Talking about how to sort of build an audience in 2024, which resonated deeply because these are actually ideas that we've tossed back and forth on this pod over the last eight episodes, and he just succinctly like curated them into one place in his own thoughts. Um, but I don't know if you wanted to sort of unbundle this tweet, yeah? Or, let's, or we can say yeah, that for another. No, let's let's, later, uh, let's but, unbundle
0: it. Let me. I read it last night. Let me open it up. Because I think the the big the big thing from him well this is the thing is one one take I've been seeing a lot that I don't really agree with is a lot of people saying packaging doesn't matter they're like just just be dope and the package doesn't matter I don't think that is true especially if you're starting from zero I think the landscape's just too noisy for shitty packaging so that is one thing yeah. he's one too, thing he too said.
1: nuanced uh, of a I mean yeah that that blanket statement there's there's too many variables to to kind of declare yeah um but but let, let's go to this first one. So he says, a few non-obvious lessons I've learned building, a you know, 500K followers and a million, 100 million plus downloads. But the first one we discussed, uh, remember, I, it took me like three minutes to explain, and then you were like, oh, LTV of the audience. But <laughs> we discussed this in like episode four or five or something like that. But who follows you is far more important than how many people follow you, quality over quantity. He nailed it there. I mean, like like we talked about, we don't have to rehash the segment because we already went through it. But But that is so important for people to understand that if you have you know 10,000 international 14 year olds that's not going to be as impactful as like one fortune 500 cmo uh you know who's a fan of yours so i thought that was well said but if you want i don't know if you want to go through like each point or if you have any thoughts i, I like how he
0: said you're not building an audience you're actually building a magnet which attracts a certain type of person and The whole point is to get, to get the who you have, it's like flies to a light, right? You have to build the light that attracts the right type of fly. So yeah, I, let's go to the next one. I I think we're both really aligned on that one. Yeah,
1: but that's just it, man. Yeah. I've been saying that a a lot too, where it's like, you're not actually building an audience. You're putting stuff out into the world. That's attracting the person, uh, that hopefully you're, you're after. Um, the next one is you want to be known well, not well known. So. Basically, says that fame is the wrong goal. You want a narrow set of people to know a lot about you. Become famous within your bubble. So how do you become well uh, known well? You got to share stories, hopes, dreams, fears, and obsessions. Um, this is basically depth first breath. What do you breath? think about this one?
0: Basically, depth first breath. So I I still think you want breath if you can keep depth, right? Obviously, like the you want to go as broad as possible with keeping the depth, but the depth is most important. Because I, I think some of these, and we'll keep going through, but some of these lessons are kind of like, it's almost like to somebody who doesn't have a lot of followers, like don't worry, if you build depth, you'll be okay. And maybe that's true with the right niche, but maybe it's not true. Like a lot of these lessons aren't just blanket coverage because I think I think packaging does matter. I think having 100,000 people at a eight out of 10 depth is better than having 10,000 people at eight out of 10 depth. So I feel like I feel like people listening that get triggered by these can, <laughs> can take them with a grain of salt, but a lot of these are what we've been saying, right? Like almost all of these are exactly what we've been saying. I'm trying to see what... There's one on here that I really There's
1: liked. no such thing as too long, only too boring. I'm, you know, 97% in agreement. I think there are some movies that were just a little yeah. too damn long. Like, I loved it the whole way through, but I got fidgety after three hours and 20 minutes. Yeah. Um, but I see what he's trying to say, and I
0: completely agree. The binge bank one is amazing. So I think we've probably talked about this before. This comes from Dylan Dylan Jarden, I think, is the one who came up with this. But, like, and this is why uh, short form is tough in a way. Because I think it's very rare for people to go to your go to your profile, scroll all the way down, and look, watch historicals. They do sometimes do that, but I've never gone all the way down. And so, what that means is, like, in theory, you have a library of content for people to consume. But most people don't don't consume it that way. Versus YouTube, it is like a bitch bank where people will go back and watch old videos, and like it's it's more topical. The algorithm will surface stuff from eight months ago. But I think this idea of like you wanna build the magnet which attracts the right person in. And then once they're in, you want to give them stuff to consume before they churn because that's how you would build trust, right? If they if you're someone's watching you for 30 to 60 minutes after first finding you, they're gonna have a good idea like what you stand for, and you're either gonna get them or not. Like you're gonna you're gonna capture them as a fan or not. So I, I I really like that idea as well. But I think short Now, I, think, it I tough. think
1: there is a way to uh, and by the way, another thing that we should actually lean into, and I was thinking about this, I had this written down, but series. So sometimes I'll come across a series and like, this is part four of whatever series. And then I will go back and look for the me other too, parts right now on Instagram, which I hate. They need to add this. It's so it would be so easy to do, but I love how TikTok you have all the series on Instagram. You can't with reels. And I think that's, that's crazy. I would love to piece mine out. Okay. Here are my originals. Here's my tech reporting. This is, this is like, I'd love to be able to piece it out. So I hope Instagram adds that ASAP. But um, that's another thing I was thinking about this year. You and I, I think having some sort of series, um, would be a great way to sort of a elevate our brand and b widen our or make our our binge bank a little bit more um i guess uh, compelling
0: well once one series i feel like we we were on to but we we just didn't find another topic for is the joint shorts where we were like basically debating something yeah. like that the format in itself is a series but also you could like we could pick topics specifically that were like debatable you know or like yeah top well
1: no that i mean i wouldn't say so much that's like a series that's like a format that people may scroll down and look for but yeah. like series meaning like you know something a little more um i can't think of any examples off the top orin
0: Oren has a really good one where he it's called brand versus product so he'll make he'll make a video about like Pans, so he'll be like he'll go through pan brand or like kitchenware brands and be like Are you buying this for the brand or are you buying this because the products actually good and he'll like go through so he, he's done it for pans He's done it for bikes. He's done it for silverware whatever like so that that's a good example of like his his brand versus product series
1: Sick well, I mean that's something that we should definitely do because uh, I like that as well the binge bank the rabbit hole the, the Callaway rabbit hole I come across your video. This is super dope Let me go consume the rest and you're right I think it does work a little bit better on long form um, then he goes on to number six, the rule of a hundred, which I actually love because when I saw this Mr. Beast clip, I was like, "That is so right." Where basically Mr. Beast was like, uh, "Oh, you suck at the beginning. Yeah, everybody sucks at the beginning. Make a hundred videos and then come and talk to me. And by that time, you're not going to need my advice because you're going to be winning." Yeah, this is something that I've kind of borrowed. People ask me what to do. It's like make a hundred videos and try to improve something every time. It's, it 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 can literally be that simple to get started uh, with content. So I don't know if you have any thoughts on that, it, the rule of 100. It is.
0: It really is that simple because if, if you're not going to stick with it for 100, you're not going to stick with it long enough for it to work. And if you are going to stick with it for 100, you're going to improve fast enough that, like he says, you don't need... You don't need hacks and that's the thing is there's no hack there's no tips there's no there's no cheats The the cheat is sit down and suffer through learning that's the cheat Correct, man. That's, that's, it. It. <laughs> that's it that's it i always say
1: it it's reps it's practice it's patience it's it's like anything else in life there is no shortcut the shortcut is a lie um it really just t- you know you got to do the dirty work and you got to be at it for a long long time before you start popping i think we were both sort of in a way uh not to not to sort of, like, diminish our our skill and whatever, but in a way, like, a little bit lucky. I don't know, because our, or let's not say lucky. Let's say um, we were an outlier. It's like, oh, Callaway popped right away. Oh, Roberto, in his first three videos, we doing views. It's like, well, that's an outlier, so, so don't compare yourself to that. Like, generally, it's going to take years and years and years. My favorite examples are, uh, you know, Marcus Brownlee. He was on, I think, video like 200, and he had like 2K subs. I just read Patrick Bet David. I heard an interview. Second year on YouTube, he had uploaded, or, yeah, I forget how many videos, but second year on YouTube, at the end of the second year, he had less than 2,000 subs, and then he started popping. You know, Mr. Beast, famously, I forget how many videos he made before he even cracked a 1,000 subs. Like, it just is what it takes.
0: It takes a special um, person to be able to brute force through that many. Like, it's, it just really – and also – it never, if you're trying to push the envelope, it never gets easier. Like yesterday, I'm 250 videos in. I still not proud of my skills. I su- sat here and suffered to make the video yesterday. Like I, I, I spent from like 4 p.m. I broke for dinner and I was working on it till 2 a.m. It was a 30 second video. Like that's how many hours it took because I don't, I didn't know how to mask. I didn't know how to, like, I didn't know how to do things. The only way to learn how to do them is to do them, which sucks. But like, yep that's the case. That, that's how it goes. You just have to be like willing to suffer through learning. But that,
1: that's so valuable too, because now that I know like every part of the process, when it does come to hire, it's going to be a little bit easier to understand what I'm looking for. A hundred percent. It's like now, not only do I know how to, you know, like every creative software, I know how to shoot. I know how to light. I know video. I know like my way around, like almost every asset or every facet of, content creation and so now when it comes to hire i know exactly what i'm looking for i know what's good what's not i know what takes time what doesn't i know how hard certain things are et cetera, et cetera. exactly um so the other two i think were a little bit obvious is uh you know pick the platform that suits you i think we we touched on that a little bit earlier and then don't stop which is it's funny because that little piece of advice don't quit is so hard to follow but the barrier like dude it's kind of easy out here like you just don't quit like everybody every podcast we made the example uh one percent of podcasts make it past episode 21 it's like, yeah part of the game is just not to quit and stay in the game as long as you can and and um, one hack on that and the number two, no,
0: one sorry. hack on that super quick so i i i wrote in the doc like i was la, last week or two weeks ago i started to have like a little burnout burnout situation i was never like i'm gonna quit but i was like i was like god damn it i like actually don't want to make anything i don't have the creative juice and that hadn't happened to me yet like maybe a day here or there when i was hung over but like i was able to push through but this was the first time where i was like i had time to work but i didn't have the will to work and i was like all right this is a problem because this is how most people end up quitting they they do that for a couple of weeks and then they're just like oh whatever like i don't really need to do this luckily for me like i quit my job so i have to do this but one one like one one small hack is If you're feeling that way, just don't make stuff for a couple days. Like actually let yourself walk away. Even weeks, man. Even time off, 100%. Exactly. And so I'm like just, I made that video yesterday. I was like getting frustrated, but got it out, liked how, and now I'm back in the, back in the like spirits of being creative again. But sometimes that happens even for like, I don't know if you've had that in the last year, but like, dude, that it, it happens where you just, you're in a flow. Nothing can break the flow. Then you have like a trip, or you have like a family obligation, and when you come back, the flow is lost. Everything is chaotic. You don't have that momentum again, and you're like, God damn it! Like, what do I have to do to get this momentum back? Sometimes it just ebbs and flows. You just have to step away for a few days. I found.
1: Yeah, and I think that's perfectly. First of all, everybody should be doing that, anyways. You know, you got to. There's got to be times where you just unplug for a week or two, and I think that's perfectly normal to kind of like reset. Like you said, you you were able to sort of reset that creative energy and drive. Um, yet, you know, not quitting doesn't mean never taking a day off. Uh, it just means, you know, just staying in the game. Uh, I don't, I don't know if there's like a, um, would you say there is a time that is too long? Does it depend on your body of work, on your brand, on your reputation, on your momentum? Um, or like meaning if I were to take six months off, I think that could really kind of like kill and destroy momentum. Yeah. Um, do you? do you think there's a time to kind of like watch out for the problem? Them, the, problem is with,
0: or no? the problem is with the short form algorithms, I think it feels to me like if it's, if it's more than two weeks, you're basically not starting from scratch, but like you're kind of, you got to rebuild that momentum. Um, yeah. It de- yeah. It depends on like who you are. Cause I think yep. if you That's have that like internal drive where like you can just flip a switch one day and just go, then you can take as much time off as you want because you can get back into it. But I, I actually think more important than the, social algo momentum is just like your internal work momentum like your creative drive like if if, if you can't flip the switch and it, there is a ramp up period you don't want to take a couple months off and then have to take another couple months to ramp up you know so i think it just depends but i, I something i wrote in the newsletter around like lessons around this is or tangential to this is like there's a difference between self-belief in self and self-belief in the strategy and like you should never waver on self belief in yourself. Like a hundred times out of a hundred, you should be like, "I'm, I'm, I'm dope. I'm a goat." Like you should be talking to yourself like that. But there's oftentimes where like we set a strategy or like we set a vision and we're really hyped about it, and then something changes. You get new information, and like that strategy needs to be reevaluated. I think a lot of people com- conflate belief in strategy with belief in self, and they start feeling bad because they're like, "Oh shit, my strategy was off." I think it's important to like have that bifurcated line, you know. So that's something that I hadn't thought about before. I was letting myself get sad when my strategy or like my mission was, you know, someone poked a hole in there. I poked a hole in it, but like you, you know, they're separate yeah, things. Yeah, man. No,
1: belief in self is everything, dude. It's such a small mental switch, but you no, know, it, it does take a lot of practice and it does take time. But I'm actually, I'm actually kind of convinced that you can almost do it overnight. Um, you can. I wasn't able to. For me, it took. a it it took a long long time, uh, but I think it really can be done overnight. And sometimes it's as easy as like just daily affirmations or the way you just the way you think and the way you say, it, man. Like, please, anybody watching, like I don't ever want to hear if if you're like, oh, like here here's an example. If uh if I approach a brand, um, this actually happened to me with LG the other day. I wanted to do like that projector. I have this great idea for this LG projector, da da, da, da and I was like, let me just go you know, try to, try to get a deal out of this. Cause it's such a dope idea. And they were like, Oh, we're not interested at the time. And like, literally my brain went to your loss. Yeah. <laughs> to fucking bad. You're going to got crazy ROI. Like I was going to do the crazy, like you guys are idiots before like five year, five years ago that Roberto might've been like, fuck man, I'm just not good at this shit. I suck. Exactly. You know? And so like, this is, and but I'm, I'm like this with everything else in life now to the point where I'm in such a privileged position. Cause I truly, truly would not trade my life for anybody else's I like, I, I just, I love where I'm at. I love who I am. I have so much uh, faith in myself. And this is honestly something that anybody out there listening could, could, could like, Um, what's the word? Could, could crack in in a second. It just literally is as easy as that. It's like a mental switch that you can turn on and off. Um, yeah. I call it mind. <laughs> I want to ask you mind. real quick too. Ooh, I like that. Jailbreaking the mind. I wanna ask you something real quick. How long does it take you to write those newsletters? Because that was like a book. Yeah. Like l- the last uh what was it? Uh 23? Yeah, 23, yeah. 20, 23 That was like a book. I'm like, yo, that might have taken me like three weeks to write. Like, how long does it take you to write one of these newsletters?
0: Basically, so like through throughout the week, whenever I get in a flow state, which is kind of like usually after workouts or like during workouts, I just like have a note that's like Blueprint and then any idea that comes to mind. I just write it down and then usually so I write them on Sundays, but usually I'll sit down. I'll kind of look at the list. I have like 20 topics or whatever that I haven't used I'll kind of pick the three to five that I want to talk about that week and then sometimes I'll just be like in a flow and just write out kind of like the majority of what my thoughts are other times I don't so I usually sit down it takes like two to three hours to write them usually and then another Another hour to edit and like make the graphics for it. Usually,
1: damn, I would have thought more, dude, because like I said, those are those are pretty comprehensive. Yeah,
0: sometimes it's longer, but my my, my brain just. And works. you can
1: tell it's not just like a word dump; it's not like a brain dump. Like they're pretty well thought out and like written very like it's pretty impressive, man. I always recommend your newsletter, oh, thanks, and anybody listening needs to subscribe. So it, it's really really impressive.
0: Thank you. Yeah, I I feel like it's a good it's a good fit it's a good content fit for my the way my brain works, but. You would think like, oh, if you're if you're good at writing, like just write forty hours a week. It's like I there's only so much I can do of that, you know. So it's like a burst, and then I'm I'm almost like tired of writing after a few days or like for a few days. So yeah, but things come different. Different things come, dude. The editing takes me forever. Like I, I spend six hours a day editing, so it's 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 hilarious that just different mediums. Um, I mean,
1: I guess the cool thing is like you're you're really documenting with the newsletter, right? Exactly. So it's not like you have to. Um, and I, I kind of wanted to go more in that direction too, cause I'm always with my newsletter. I'm a little, I've been a little inconsistent, but that's cause I'm like, I only want to write it if I have something really valuable to share. Um, some weeks I'm not going to have that inspiration, you know, but if I'm just kind of like documenting the way that I feel, I think it's a, but I would never be able to do it like you, man. So uh yeah k- kudos kudos to you that last uh everybody should read that last one i was like yo am i reading a book like straight up like there's professional writers who whose output is once a month to write like these introspective newsletters i could probably you know i'm like you're doing them every week so it's really impressive
0: we'll take it <laughs> we'll take it the the document the point of the documentation though is really key because this this more or less is documenting in a way like it's helping people but it's it's documenting for us because it's like a point in time I would say, I think it would be even cooler if we had a little segment in each of these or like once every couple of weeks where we were like, you know, these are updates, more like more like time-based updates that are a, a snapshot in time, but like this is documenting, the blueprint is documenting, I want to convert blueprint into YouTube a little bit so that that's documented. I just, I think it's so dope when like, dude, that Kanye documentary was sick, like, and he just, it was either lucky or forethought or both that he had that guy walking around all the time, but like. That's where all the that's why it's all worth it is when you can watch something back and be like holy shit look at that. Imagine how many more people that documentary inspired than like him going crazy on like an 8-minute rant like at a concert. That documentary probably inspired tens of thousands of people to like get started or like to document. I just think that the behind the scenes shit is so cool and nobody does it because it takes so much work and effort. And they don't usually don't have the forethought when they're starting because they're like, I'm struggling, nothing's working. Why would I document my misery? Like, it's, it makes sense why people don't document, but I think it's the coolest thing.
1: Any any story worthwhile needs conflict. Any story worthwhile needs struggle. I think uh, the magic of a story is in the struggle. And so, like, being able to see that this is what I hope to offer too with like weekends is like, hey, sometimes you know we're out here like shit. How are we? How are we going to make money? Do we want to do it this way? Is this going to ruin our brand? Like having like all these like pain points that we're sort of, uh, encountering and confronting, I think makes it super interesting. Um, you were talking about burnout a little bit before. Have I felt it this last year? No, but what I have felt over the last few months has been, and perhaps it's overthinking, which is perfectly possible, but it's like, I'm looking back at my body of work and we've talked about it before in this pod. Like I didn't like most of the stuff that I was making. I just felt like, okay, now I am a resource for people. And, you know, kind of like that create to serve mantra. Um, People like it. It's working. Let me continue giving them what they're after. And now I'm to the point where it's not burnout. It's like I don't even I don't even know how to describe it. It's almost like a not burnout, like I'm too tired. I can't get myself to do this anymore. It's this is too boring and unfulfilling. Um, So I think there is a distinction. Let me know. Let me know if there's not. But that that's something that I'm not really willing to compromise, I don't think, this year. I don't want to make something, unless it's, look, unless it's a brand deal and it's lucrative and it's, I don't want to make something that I don't want to make. Um, I think it's as simple as that. And maybe that's the antidote to burnout, because if I'm approaching it that way, I think maybe it makes it a little more difficult to burn out. Whereas if I just needed to meet my my some sort of throughput quota, some sort of consistency output, and I had to post... Once every other day, then you know, as a byproduct of that, I'm going to make stuff that I'm not in love with, and then that'll probably accelerate a burnout potential. Yeah.
0: Well that that's the that's the frustrating thing is the I think the, where burnout comes from is it's it's your desire to post faster than your creative output can meet the quality you want. So like. I set these arbitrary bullshit deadlines of like, I got to post once once a day on the weekdays. I need five or like I got, but, but if the deadline was different, like if the way society actually worked was like, yo, social media, you, your account gets frozen except for one one hour block a week. You can only post once a week. If that was how it worked and that's how everyone treated it and that's how all the fucking gurus talked about it. It would completely change the way I made stuff because then I'd be like, oh, I'd be like, I have six days to come up with the best thing possible, and I can't miss because like, I only have a one-hour window. It would completely change everything. So I think my burnout is from these arbitrary deadlines that I'm setting on myself to hit certain thresholds that I don't even know if those thresholds create optimal results. I, like I don't even know. I've just came up with these. Yeah, once a day would mean I'm productive. Like, and I and I think that's where a lot of people get frustrated is they look at other people posting or frequency and they look at themselves and they're like, I'm behind and they're creating this like weird. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm victim to it and I'm trying to, I mean, I feel like you've done a good job of breaking that, right? You were posting like almost every day and then you took a few weeks between and you had hitter after hitter, but there was like a couple weeks between. And I don't know, maybe you could talk about like how you mentally justified that or if you didn't even think about it because that is how it should be, right? That's like a very healthy approach. Whereas what I was having was very unhealthy and it was causing me to be like super frazzled.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, I, don't, I wouldn't say it was deliberate. The, the first half of this year, I was probably posting every day. Like my output was crazy, but I was like, this is what I'm gonna do. I had a plan. I'm gonna I'm gonna get, get after it. And then uh, And then my daughter was born and then my output just just sank and it was unavoidable uh for those out there who are not fathers or mothers you will understand what i'm talking about one day where it's just like if you want to be a good parent half your day is gone it's that just the way it is and by the way you want half that day to be gone dedicated to uh to your uh, son or daughter but um yeah now i'm a little conflicted man i really am a little conflicted where i can continue that output um i have we have a schedule set up now that i could probably do a video day again if i wanted and I could probably, you know, find, you know, continue to do it on AI and tech updates and I would grow and everything would be dandy. And why would I go away from something that was working? But again, it's like, dude, at what point does this just become the 9 to 5? It's like, first of all, we escaped the 9 to 5 to go 24-7. And at what point does content, like there's actually this sentiment that I think is growing throughout the internet. I want to talk to you about it where it's like the the being a creator is not as like, freeing and romantic as it once was now it's just a job like we we might even need to uh, retire this word creator because now you're just a worker there's so many different types of creators and now i'm looking at people online they're like okay you have to do four lead magnets and then you have to do six pieces of content a day and 12 on this and four on threads and six on four and four on linkedin and, blah, 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 and then send them to this info product and i'm like that's so miserable like that's just a nine to five that's just going to your accounting job but without the added benefit of like going and talking to people and being around a community it's like wow, wait a second. It's, it's, it was this thing that was like so freeing and, and it was like this creative and incredible, you know, creative journey that you would go on and like, wow, you get brand deals and you can pay for this and you have all the freedom. And now it's like so many creators out there where I'm like, wait, dude, you're just, you're an accountant. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you just, you're doing your, your 12 hours of paperwork every, I, I don't know, man. It's I so, agree.
0: That's like, why I'm saying you, we need to, it's really important to have a product that's detached from the content output so that that pays your bills so that the content output can be really on your own schedule. That's that to me that's like mission critical and I'm not there I don't think you're there yet and it's frustrating because those arbitrary posting deadlines the reason we have them is because we think that by doing that we'll get closer to building more audience which will then help us convert the product later to monetization so we can free up right like that's that's the like logic tree, which sucks because I do feel like I've never worked. M- I've never worked more. I've never worked harder. I've never been constantly more on. I've never been more agitated when I'm not working, when I spend time on a video and it doesn't go. Like I'm way less emotionally s- stable than I was working a job. The difference though is that I'm fast forwarding to when I'm 50. And if I was working a job, I'd still be working a job at 50. And I think this is the only entrepreneurship owning your own business is the only path to not working until you're 65. You can work, but you won't have to. And to me, my current thinking is that that's worth the trade off. I hope it's worth the trade off. I don't, I don't know, but it's frustrating, dude. Being a creator is kind of frustrating if you don't have a product that's detached from it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but you know, at the same time, you're building the distribution channel, which is most important. It's the hardest to crack. So it's like, uh, you know, it's funny because I've never, aside from like, a, well, when I was like in my teens, when I worked at like Sports Authority and freaking uh, Advanced Auto Parts and stuff like that, but I've never really had a job except for this one six-month stint where I worked at a, at a startup. Um, it was by Michael Chasen's startup. We raised $13 million for it. It was in Washington, D.C. And I, I often find myself like looking back at those six months with so much endearment, I was like, it was so dope going to a location and there was 35 people and we're all working towards something like shooting the shit and bench in the office. And like Michael is just such a dope guy, you know, sold Blackboard, two point nine billion dollars, whatever it was. And just like I learned so much from him. And uh, so it's funny. It's like if you really want to become a creator, yes, it comes with the added benefit of like potentially for exploding and doing life-changing money, da 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 da, and it does come with the added benefit of freedom and this and that. But we should almost start changing the perspective, where it's not like, "Yes, I'm a creator now." It's like, "Yo, you're a creator now." <laughs> like, yeah. it's, uh, yo, there's thousands of hours in front of you, and there's going to be you're, you're going to go through the entire spectrum of emotion. There's going to be joy, frustration, sadness, doubt, um, and I'm seeing this more and more across the internet now, where where a lot of creators are like. Damn, I kind of missed the uh, the camaraderie that I had at my nine to five. Um, you just recently quit your nine to five, so I hate having this conversation. Like, wait a second, but obviously you're a different, uh, you're in a different class because you're, again, we're outliers. Um, but for the average person, um, that's why I always say when I when I like coach or mentor a, a young creator, I'm like, the first thing you need to crack is the mentality. Like, it's uh, th- this is going to be a two year grind minimum. Yeah, minimum uh, for you to get. To a place where you can even probably sustain yourself. So
0: yeah, and the thing is, like, you can you can spin it. We can spin it however we want, but at the end of the day, like, your your audience is not an asset that you can sell because nobody could operate. Well, I guess if you had a faceless page, that's different. But like, if you have a faced page, we we've built a lot of, we'll say, ec- audience equity in our audience. It, there, it's no no question. It's not zero. Like, it is worth something, but you cannot sell it. So the only way to mine value is to rent it or channel it towards something else you own. And I think that's very different from like starting a company that is IP or software based that you also put a two year grind into. And at some point that is worth something that could be sold because it's not tied to you. So it's very important. I think when people are starting down this journey, which is like, it's going to take a shit ton of work. You're not going to know what you're doing almost always. You're going to work harder than you probably would else otherwise. Until you build a product that's attached from your name, the audience you're building is not sellable, although it is rentable. So you're going to have to like work a long time to extract value in a positive way from that audience. So there's a lot of things that are not like, holy shit, this is a lottery ticket, the way it's painted to be. I still think we're going to figure it out. Like, I think you're a killer. I'm a killer. Born killers kill. Like, that's how how it is. So we'll figure it out. But this isn't the kind of thing that like, Somebody who's not a killer or like somebody who's fragile emotionally should, I mean, you should think twice. I think about like jumping into it. Not to say like it's for certain, like it shouldn't be allowed for other people. I'm just saying like it's a tough, it's way tougher than I thought. And we're good at it. Yeah.
1: And it's, and it's very public. And it's very, very public. So all of your, so imagine. Imagine you go to a job and you know what everybody's making and you know everybody's output and you know every you know, like, uh, how effective everybody's been at their job in in real time. It's like, it, it, um, you know, I could, I could see why it causes so many anxiety for people. Um, what was I going to say? Should I I was just going to say something I had a good thought and it just, one one thing on
0: that, maybe, maybe it'll, maybe this will trigger it back is like, like when I post the blueprint, so this will give a signal to people like how, how like delusionally confident I am in myself or like how you could say delusional I am period. When I post a blueprint, like we're not making a lot of money. Like this last week I, I lost $200. <laughs> like, we made nothing spent almost nothing, but like it was a net net loss of $200. And my life burned this week was, I don't know what it is, but it's probably, I don't know, like one to two grand or something with everything included. Not, not like I'm buying software, but like to eat, buy food and rent and stuff, whatever, whatever it is for the week. Maybe it's more, so, like, that's a huge net hole. And every person in my life that I've ever met, ex-girlfriends, college friends, whatever, everyone is seeing me post that little screenshot. Every, everyone who's reading Blueprint or, like, watching my Instagram stories is seeing that little screenshot. At the bottom, negative $200. Not only am I not making any money, I'm losing money every single week. If you're not confident in yourself and, like, playing long-term, that will break you in half like it just will because it's really hard when you think you are x and then people you know you think are y and those people are looking at you and like in their conversations in their apartment with their significant other they're talking about how dumb you were for quitting your job and like you're losing money and it's not working whatever i don't know if people are having those conversations but most people think they are most people think that other people are and dude it's one of the reasons i like sharing the blueprint is because the kimono is open like the pressure that makes people crack is when you hide the fact that you're not doing well and you hope people don't find out. I'm just putting it out there.
1: Yeah, I, don't, I mean, let me let me play the other side of that because I don't think there's a lot of, pr- the, the pressure is in, like, there's people that don't understand the game. Okay, so, you could actually make a shit ton of money right now. Go to your email inbox. All those brand deals, do those three, four, 5K each yeah, one. Yeah. da 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 Put out a video every day on an AI tool. da 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 You could probably make 20 grand easy minimum, a month, easy. Like, I would say, without that much effort. Um, you could do some, some BS, like, little cohort on some bullshit and, and yeah, get, yeah. you know, one of these uh, agencies to do your lead mag general. Blah, blah. The, the thing is, like, these, are, these fizzle out in the short term because it's almost it's very difficult to sustain, like, a real reputation doing that. And so it's more of a question. It's like, oh, it's, it's like convincing the right people I'm, I'm glad because like my wife understands the game that I was like no 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 it's a long-term game I'm going to sacrifice these things deliberately in the short term I have, a, I have a greater picture uh in mind so it's a little bit different um and I am and I'm grateful that we are in that uh category where we like don't have to fret because if you are a young creator and you don't have anything to fall back on you don't have savings you don't have money coming in it's like you gotta you gotta do this stuff you know, and it, and it actually, like, maybe prohibits or stunts your, your long-term greatness and potential that you can one day embrace. Um, but, yeah, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in kind of the same boat. It's like, why am I making all this content where the money isn't matching? But I know for a fact, like, remember when I set out to start making content, I was like, year three, that's when I'll turn this on. First three years, and now it's funny because we talked about it in an episode ago or two where it's like, I had a three-year plan and 12 months in I'm, like, itching. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, wait a second. Exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So
0: before we wrap, do, did anyone send any questions and DMs when you put the story through?
1: Oh yeah, I had a, I
0: had a question here. Do a little creator Q and A to close it out. Also, if you're listening to this point, if you if you if you've listened an hour and a half in, you're a ri- you're a real ride or die weekends fan. We appreciate you. I think, I think weekends y'all. will be. And more.
1: also, if if people are out there listening a la carte, which I suspect, which which I'm kind of like, I love these segments because I almost want to keep it where it can be consumed mon- uh, a la carte in case you only have like 20 minutes let me find the most interesting segment i love that as well um so i had a question here that i posed to you this is from matthew sampayo shout out i love matthew um what do you think about using somebody else's style as a reference until i find my own so if you're if for a budding creator doesn't necessarily have the, their own signature style what about just Let's say, kind of copying or heavily inspired from somebody else's style until you develop or cultivate your own. What do you think? Yeah. About
0: that? I don't know. I, th- I think it's fine. I mean, at the end of the day, like, nothing on the internet is protectable. Like, as soon as you post some, put, put something out, anyone's going to see it. And what, what's that, what's that line? Like, a uh, good artist copy, great artist steal or so- something? Steal, yeah. So, like, yeah. my take is that in order to really have longevity, you need to be one-of-one or like have your own kind of flair and style eventually but at the end of the day like the game is Just get going long enough to where you feel good enough where you're not gonna quit and if what's gonna help you not quit is Borrowing some things from people you look up to and you trying to execute against them. I think that's completely fine It's like now if you if you rip someone's style their exact words the exact delivery you're using their clips You're like if you're doing all of that I think that's a little predatory but look but like we talked about it before people like Ben Shapiro will take a video that's viral and do a reaction and all he'll do is look down. He won't even say a word or react or move his face at all and just repost that. He's basically just stealing that entire video. And those are the rules of the game. Like the game is you're allowed to do that. So I don't, there was a time where I was like kind of annoyed by that. But at this point it's like, yo, if you're good enough that someone's going to want to copy you, You're doing something right and so if you're at the beginning stages and you find people you want to copy like that'll help close your learning gap i think what what do you think about this
1: i'm in agreement i mean it, it literally when when i had that format that was really really popping covering ai tools i would go to people who would ask me for advice and just say copy everything i'm doing literally verbatim like go do everything that i'm doing copy it exactly how i'm doing things um and but then i'd always say now you're eventually going to have to find your own style. Otherwise, you're just going to be like a, a knockoff forever, you know? And um, so that, to answer Matthew's question, I think that it's perfectly, perfectly fine. E- in almost anything, not just content. If you want to figure out how to light something, guess what? Find a movie scene and try to light it exactly how that how that gaffer, how that uh, DP or whatever did it. Like, try to match it exactly. Um, same as content. Like, match somebody else's... Con- see if you can edit it and, like, crack how they're doing it. Like, that's just... An, an, uh, an accelerated way to grow but obviously you have to you have to um eventually figure out a way to like craft and cultivate your own style and signature and bring something unique to the table because you have to trailblaze um and it's interesting because when you look at any great artist even music artists they don't they have they, they all have their own style Like there's nobody else. Like if somebody comes in rapping exactly like uh, Lil Baby, they're just not gonna pop. They're always a Lil Baby clone forever.
0: The second derivative will always will never be more popular than the original.
1: A hundred percent. And so I don't mind it at the beginning, and and I think you're right. Great artists copy, or good artists copy great artists do steal. But eventually you do want to. I think it's like your duty as a creator, almost like craft your own uh, style, signature. I'm still on this journey too. like, I don't know if you heard like Tim Ferris. There was a clip going around where he's like, it's much easier. Uh, instead of competing in a crowded space, it's much easier to create your own lane. I don't know if he, he said it in like a really, really cool yeah. way. Um, but I, I, I'm working towards that. I want to, I want to like create my own category.
0: Yeah, you know? that, that, that's what I mean. Uh, I
1: think you've kind of, you, you've already had that. Like you created the Callaway, like your own category and uh i think every creator needs to trend in that direction i 100 agree
0: that's what i mean by like you you want brands to come to you and be like i want a roberto video like that i want i want you to tell the story i don't want the story to be told i want you to tell it because i like the way you do it that's 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 like the definition of one of one and when you copy someone's style you won't be that but it can at least help build your foundational skills and and help because like we said it all starts with that mindset shift if what's going to take you if what's going to shift the mind for you is producing something good enough, like at a certain level of quality that you believe in yourself. And the only way to get there is to copy and then, then copy. Cause like, I want as many people who have flipped that switch who are building their own stuff. Cause I just think that's cool. Like that, the, the world at, a, at the highest level, maybe you could argue the world is zero sum, but like at the level that we play, it's not, it's the world is not zero sum. So like we, we can all win with a thousand X more people doing what we're doing and Part of the reason why we're doing this, because, like, no bullshit, I actually want to inspire other people to do it because I think it's cool when more people make stuff that's cool. Like that—that's just one of like, one of the tenants that I think we live by. So hopefully, weekends, weekends grows super big and becomes like a nucleus for that for people.
1: That's a recurring theme for me, man. Is like I'm always telling people to start content. Why? It's like, oh, oh, you just said content is a nine to five and it's possible. Why start? It's like no. It's more so the, the inherent desire of a human being to want to express themselves it's so so important i don't care if you're doing it on this decentralized medium if you hate zuck if you hate larry if you hate whatever the chinese were controlled by dance you don't okay go do it on a decentralized medium whatever it might be but like go and express yourself i think that's so important i think it's a tragedy that so many people suppress their natural desire um to express themselves because of again like the very public nature of social media because of what somebody else may think if they're not going to get any views because they're going to suck at first and they don't want to put in those hundred videos just to, to start improving. Um, and that just sucks, man. That's why I like, honestly do think everybody wants to post on social media. There, there are some people with like valid excuses as to why not, but most people is because they're fearful of what others may think. And I hate that. So I'd like to, I'd like to, you know, one of my central messages this year is
0: to combat that. Yeah. Hell yeah, amen. Maybe we should wrap wrap on that. Have you been listening this far? Yeah, man. Because I'm, I'm probably all lower the place. I hope I was like coherent. No, that. no, that was good. That was good. I also was up <laughs> till like 2:30 trying to edit that video. So oh, we, we we were playing hurt today, but hopefully you got a lot of information. Um, again, if you're listening this far, honestly, if you don't want to subscribe, don't. But share this with a friend because if you listen this far, I guarantee you liked it enough. Just share it with another creator. That's probably the best way you can help us, and we'll keep doing it. So. Any last words?
1: Excited for number nine, man.
0: Dope. All right, see
1: you guys then. See you next Peace. week. Peace. Peace.